You're listening to Simmering Thoughts, where we lift the lid and sample slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers. I am one of the hosts of this show, and I'm joined by... My name is Chris Dean, and I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I can be found on Twitter, where I'm primarily at, at Dean Chris, and on Facebook at Chris Dean. And as I said, I'm Ryan Akers. You can find me at Bandman Akers on Twitter, also at Gmail, and you can find me on Twitter under my own name, Ryan, or on Facebook under my own name, Ryan Akers. Uh, this is Simmering Thoughts. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Simmer Thoughts. And you can find us on the internet at simmeringthoughts.podbean.com. You can stream us anywhere you want to find your favorite podcasts. Uh, we prefer Podbean, Satchel Player, and of course we are on iTunes and Google Play. Uh Chris, we're going to start a, a new segment this week and a, a new thing for us to try every once in a while, and that's simply to ask the question, what's simmering on your mind this week? And what we mean by that is every week there's something that's flittering about in our brains, a thought that's been uh, set on the back burner a little bit, uh, something that's come up during the week and, and we've spent some time reflecting. We wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, and so, Chris, the question's yours. What's simmering in your mind? Well, I have been reevaluating my entire social media usage lately, honestly, and I'm mostly active on Twitter, although I'm a little bit active on Facebook as well. And really, there are some meaningful relationships that we can have in social media. And by no means can we do the one another's as scripture commands us to do to the degree on social media that we could in a church, nor should we try to. But Nevertheless, we can have meaningful relationships where we can encourage one another, pray for one another, spur one another on, etc. And so I've been simply thinking, how much time do I want to spend? Obviously, there are threads, and some of the threads are rather, you know, vapid and meaningless and you know, jocular in ways. And then there are some that are serious, where there's a good, meaningful interaction and a dialogue on other sides of issues, learning, exploring, explaining things, etc. And uh, I've honestly been a little bit inclined to pull back somewhat lately, just to, for lack of a better term, redeem the time more. Uh, I, I like social media because it's, uh, it's especially Twitter. It's kind of the soundbite environment. I get a really good snippet of what's going on in the news and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and it's good to have just brief goings on, but uh, right about this time that I was more seriously considering, what do I do with this? Lo and behold, Twitter yesterday announced that they are going to have a beta program where a certain number of their users are going to be able to tweet in 280 characters versus the previous 140. And lo and behold to me, as, I, as, as I've said it to others, I find myself part of the Twitter elect. I have been chosen for reasons I have no clue why. I have been granted that privilege, that superpower, as somebody called it, of tweeting with 280 characters. And so, it's a good thing. What to should have I do with that? Me that? Okay, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and so, really, I think that what I want to do is redeem the medium. 
And so I've not been one terribly much to, to engage in, you know, witty banter or dialogue, maybe some of that, but I'm certainly not as pithy as some of the favorite teachers are out there putting forth really quotable aphorisms and concise nuggets of truth, et cetera. I'd like to be a little bit, uh, you know, teaching focused in, in what I've done. And I think this will give me a greater opportunity to actually do some of that. Just, uh, you know, explain, for example, what's the gospel or something I did last night. It just popped in my head. Perhaps the spirit gave me the, the desire to do this, to speak about what is evil. Why does God allow evil? Or to quote extended passages of scripture. And uh, when I first put that out there, I don't know exactly what the Lord was doing in giving me this, but when I first put it out there, it was kind of a novelty, I think, to everybody. And my particular first 280 character quote that I put out there talking about people to examine yourself and, and come to faith in Jesus Christ has been retweeted hundreds of times and liked hundreds of times. And I probably have close to 100 new followers just since last night. That's pretty so, cool. okay, Lord, I've got a slightly bigger platform now to speak truth. And hopefully people will hear what I have to say and I'll be able to use it in such a way. I think, how did I put that? Um, there we go. I followed up my initial quote and I said, quote, how can anyone have ideas on how I can better use 280 characters versus 140? More teaching, more exhortation, more scriptures. I want to live my life and tweet in such a way that one day when I get to heaven and see Jesus face to face, I won't think, oh, that I would have done more now for your glory. Mm. End quote. So, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I want to know I'm going to have to give an account for everything I say and do, done and undone, every thought, intention, motivation of the heart. And if I know to do good and I do it not, it's sin to me. And yet I know I can't do it all. And Christ doesn't need me for anything. Yet he graciously gives us opportunities to be salt and light, to take his word, you know, in these, you know, clay vessels that we are and shine his light brightly out there. And yet I know something else that we've talked about at some point discussing is the concept of rest. And so how do we know what to do and what are our desires in doing that? And when is too much? And when can we sit back and rest and let the Lord just use it from there? We know his word will not return void. So I know at least what I want to do is to be scriptural as much as possible in my language and phraseology, much less my behaviors and actions and that, but mm. to really just let the word speak for itself. That's where I'm kind of at and discovering how to do that more. And now I've got, in a sense, double the platform in which to do it with 280 characters versus 140. Uh, I'm wordy enough that me having 280 characters actually is not going to help me say anything more because I have to trim every tweet down, it feels <laughs> like, uh, because I tend to get to 280 and then have to back up. Uh, but it, you, a couple of things that, that popped into my mind as you were talking there. Uh, somebody actually asked this week that's, that's on my timeline, asked, why do you use Twitter? to all the folks that are following there was, I think it was based on a poll and, you know, I answered funnily enough, I actually am on Twitter to learn. That's the, that's the reason I joined in the first place was mm -hmm. actually for professional development as a teacher. Yeah. And as I got into it, I started hooking into some of the, the theology conversations. And now that's 95% of what I'm involved in. And I have learned from so many different people from inside of uh, the, the Southern Baptist camp, as you would have it, to the full spectrum of 
Christianity and, and learning where, uh, where, where others have a little bit more wisdom than what my tradition has had uh, and, and what has been brought to the fore in our tradition uh, and, and learning how to read scripture with smarter eyes uh, and not just trying to read it of my own wisdom, but to actually, you know, how to piece some more things together. Uh, and then just the community, uh, you mentioned that off the top, the community that we can have. Uh, and an example happened this week, uh, a brother, and I'm not, I haven't gotten permission to share his, his username, but, but uh, one of the folks mentioned uh, that he was just having a rotten week. And it was a rather lengthy thread of, and it's not just week, it's more like rotten time of it lately. Uh, and, and he went and posted much of what that was. And the next day, uh, he posted an update that was a total blessing that, you know, one, there were so many of us that had contacted him. He started writing down our, our addresses in the thanking and he ran out of space on the, on the, uh, oh, wow. the first tweet because he used so many usernames and was saying, you know, one, thank you all for contacting me and talking to me and praying for me. And then he tells us the update and the update was really cool. He, uh, he, he, He's I my understanding of it is that that he's basically getting some paid time off to be able to take care of some family things and some other stuff that's going on in his life. Uh, so if you could, those of you that are, are listening, take a moment and pray uh, for this brother in Christ. Uh, you don't know who he is, but we have an omnipotent God who does. Uh, and so we know those prayers will be heard. Uh, and it's it's not something that's just an overnight fix. Amen. It is something that needs that longer term prayer. And this isn't the only situation like that. There are there are dozens of others that I've uh, taken the time and, and prayer requests are posted. And there's that opportunity to, to either post it on the public timeline. But I actually spend more time in that situation sending private message prayers because, I, I one, you don't have the 140 limit, which opens me up a lot more. And two, uh, it allows me to be a little bit more specific with the prayer uh, because then usually a conversation flows from it and it gives me the opportunity to know more that, of what's going on and, and to pray more specifically offline as well. And uh, it's, it's this whole Twitter thing is I'm still trying to get my head wrapped all the way around it. I've gotten a pretty good handle on how I use it. And, you know, I talk to folks who won't even touch social media and I, a lot of it's on how we use it. And I think there are ways to be in, engaged online that are, as you put it, very redeeming uh, and allow us to grow and to connect with other believers from all over the place and to uh, lift each other up. You know, there's, there's connections that I've been able to make that are uh, folks that, that have helped me really understand a whole lot more in scripture and, and podcasts I've heard of that I never would have heard of before that are really helping me to dig into scripture better and to, to, to think about my faith with a clearer mind uh, and more background knowledge before I, before I uh, start interpreting on my own. And so with that, I'm going to tell Amen, you what, that's well said. I want to tell you what I've been thinking about. And this has been something that has come up a bunch uh, in my morning prayer time. I sit down every morning as best I can uh, and actually write down about one page on a journal uh, entry. And I'm, I'm trying to relearn how to write cursive. I went for about, oh, a decade or more 
without ever using it because it's as ugly as could be. So if I struggle reading, there's a reason. Uh, <laughs> but uh, about a month ago, I, I was reflecting on uh, God's hand and, and how his hand uh, comforts and guides and protects and uh, was, was recently looking through scripture on the same thing and, and finding point after point and time after time uh, where, where that the uh, anthropomorphism of God's hand is brought out uh, in different ways. And so I was going to read this uh, prayer that I wrote a little bit more than a month ago and that these concepts have been coming back uh, periodically over the last month. It's not just a one-day thing that's in here, but I, I keep finding myself coming back to these concepts as I pray uh, and, and seeing it in Scripture as well. I'm reading through uh, a psalm a morning uh, along with that, and and there are many things in there, uh, especially in the Psalms, but but really throughout all over the place in Scripture about God's hand. So this is what what I wrote that morning. Open my eyes that I may see the wonders and excellencies you have created, that I may see your hand of guidance before me, of healing upon others, of love and comfort upon the broken, of peace upon the soul, of judgment upon uh, the wicked of salvation for the repentant sinner, of protection of your beloved sons and daughters adopted into your spiritual family by faith, faith granted by your uh, gentle restoration when we fall and fail. Sorry, by uh, granted by you and of your gentle restoration when we fall and fail. May I see these and more in my own life, but Lord also in others. Help me to follow you uh, help me to follow your hand, to be used by your hand, that you would not withdraw uh, your hand from me, that I may know when it is upon me. Uh, may I rejoice, marvel, and praise you for the work of your hand. Lord, please don't withdraw your hand from me, that I may know you are with me. Yea, turn my eyes upon your creation, Christ's crucifixion and assumption, and, uh, I can't read this last bit, oh yes, and the Pentecost of your spirit, that my days will be in worship and service to you. And, you know, just thinking about all the different ways that God's hand has been involved uh, in my life, things that have happened uh, all along the way, uh, where I can clearly, you know, as we look back, we can see and trace the steps uh, where God has kind of directed us and, and guided us into where we are and, and set us up for what's coming. Uh, and so it's just something that I've, I've keep coming back to uh, as a prayer and as a, as a reflection time. Uh, and it's something that, that when you think about God's hand uh, protecting and guiding, and God's hand is there to uh, comfort us and also there to discipline us and to keep us from straying and to set the path for us. I mean, all those different thoughts, it is, it's very comforting uh, as a believer to reflect on those things that he's done for us. Amen. The, that, that's beautiful. That the, the way that you've written down and develop that prayer no doubt over a course of time and it sounds like that would be akin to a personal liturgy in a sense <laughs> and i think that that's beautiful 
That really isn't. That's something that, in terms of a formation of prayer, that I've really wanted to do more. I've thought about doing some hymn writing. I've thought about doing some prayer writing, things akin to that, but I've never really done it. I've my prayers tend to be a little bit more spontaneous. I do have some regular thoughts, obviously, that I pray. I do pray from lists. Mm. I tend to do that more. But to actually say it as a form of poetry back to the Lord, who he is, what his nature is, what, what his works are, what he has done, and how that brings you to a place of, wonder, love, and praise as coming forth through your creative faculties that he has given you back with which you're glorifying him is just beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. It's, uh, and this is something, you know, I've, I've been doing it off and on for a little while. Uh, I just started, I've, I finished up one, uh, like a composition notebook and then have managed to find some really good sales on good journals. And, uh, and uh, so I just started a journal this summer, a new one, and uh, it's the pages are just about right for me to sit and, and spend about 15 minutes in the morning. Uh, I read, I either write first, it doesn't, I, it's not a pattern, I'll, I'll sit down and I, I have a passage in the Psalms that I read and a passage, right now I'm working through the history books, uh, I've kind of been working on that since spring, and then um, I'll read about a chapter a day there, and then I sit down and and write out about a page worth of prayer and I don't do it every day and uh, but it's it's an opportunity to that I start with praise at least I try to start every morning with the idea of praising something uh, and it's it's often about nature I live in a in a part of Indiana that is uh, just beautiful and in the mornings especially our sunrises and sunsets because of the Ohio River and the Mississippi is right nearby and the the lakes are just south of us and so there's always plenty of humidity in the air, uh, probably a fair amount of pollution to go with it. And, uh, but our sunsets and sunrises are often just stunning. Uh, and, and even if I don't write it down here at home, as I go to work, uh, the, the setting where my school is, is uh, three sides of the school are pasture lands. And one whole, one whole shot of, you know, eye shot from... The teacher parking lot is nothing but uh, rolling pasture and trees, and the sun come sun sets right over that. On the other side, uh, across the road, is is the same idea, and it goes back. and We often have fog in the morning. With it being near the river, there's a lot of fog in the mornings, and some of the the just mm-hmm. the the way the light plays over God's creation, and it just it's it's a spontaneous worship moment so many times where I live in a place and he's placed me in a place where I can, I can spend time reflecting on that. And there's even times at recess when I'm doing recess duty where I, it's just the beauty of nature right there in front of you. And of course the kids are running all over the place and don't notice a thing. Uh, but I have the opportunity to, to look up and, and look around at the pasture a little bit. And uh, you know, as, as you move your eyes around and it gives you get an opportunity to, just reflect on the delicacy of God's creation and the, the beauty of it. And, you know, even watching, just, just sitting and watching the kids play, you know, 350 kids running around on 
on on a, a stretch of blacktop and grass and uh, seeing them play. Uh, it's just absolutely a thrill for me to be able to do that most of the time. And it, it, it moves me into prayer quite often. Uh, and it's not something that was true of me, you know, 15 years ago that I would sit down and, and come to that spontaneous type prayer or even the, the, the time to sit down. And I've struggled to find a time in my day that has worked for that. I think I mentioned uh, in the last episode and talking about Bible study that, that, you know, it's really been within the last 10 to 12 years that, that I've been trying different times of day to work as a good Bible study time for me. And, you know, I, at one point I was trying to study at night while I was, especially while I was in uh, full time as, as band director at a high school, you know, I, early in the morning, and I'd come in late at night from, from rehearsal, and the next morning, if I tried to do Bible study in the morning, I wouldn't make it to the end of the day, and I would struggle. And so I tried to do it at night, and you know, when you're coming in late, you don't do it every night, so it's hard to really get a routine with it. And uh, now that I'm teaching in the elementary schools, uh, I don't have those late night rehearsals right now, and I'm able to spend my morning time, because I'm able to get up earlier, you know, I have a little bit more energy when I wake up most of the time, and I have a little bit of time after my wife leaves to go to work. I've got half an hour to sit down, and uh, if I've got all our lunches and all that ready to go, I have that time to myself and can come in uh, while my son eats breakfast, and I can study and I can pray. And you know, he's really good about. He knows that that's Dad's quiet time, and so he's eating breakfast and finishing getting himself ready to go in another part of the house and uh, I'm blessed with a child who isn't going to blow up the house when I do that as well. Uh, <laughs> so that's an answered prayer as well. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we, we had talked about uh, wow. a little bit last episode about rest and prayer. Uh, and so that was something that, that was kind of also buzzing around in my head uh, earlier this summer. Uh, somebody who I started listening to his podcast last year and that's, uh, where I heard about him, his name's Mike Cosper. He does the Cultivated Podcast, uh, and I believe he lives in Louisville uh, and is involved with the Sojourn Network uh, there. And he wrote a book uh, just this and released it this summer called Recapturing the Wonder. And it's really a book on uh, the spiritual disciplines, but it, not necessarily in a case of uh, you know scheduling and being rigid and, and, you know, having a routine of if I don't do this type things, but really the idea of recapturing that sense of awe and wonder at God's work and taking the time to recognize it and pause in it and to share it with others uh, is also part of it. But, uh, you know, he mentions uh, quite a bit about uh, taking time to rest and taking time to be uh, alone with God and, and alone uh, in your thoughts with God and, and to uh, cultivate that idea of, of thinking scripture and praying through scripture. Uh, and it, it's something that I've been kind of working my way toward over time. And then just that book and a couple other things I've been reading, uh, it's kind of all worked itself together into this type of prayer time. And I'm very blessed by it. It's allowed me to uh, to recognize a few things about myself. One of which, you know, there's 
this is something that's been simmering in my mind for quite a while, uh, is the fascination in our culture, both within the Christian culture and culturally across the board, especially in professional circles of personality types and all the different ways that those can be measured. And, and I've done some reflecting on it. I find the tests um, make me feel very um, split personality because I could take it one time and it looks one way and I'll take it the other time and it's the exact opposite. Uh, and I find that in myself quite a lot. Uh, growing up, I was the picture of an extrovert. And, you know, for me, uh, when I was younger, especially in, in high school and college, quiet time and me were two things that would never get along very well. I couldn't function in quiet. <laughs> Solitude was not my thing. Uh, I would sit in the, in the, in the lobby of our dorm and, you know, the social time fed me. It was, it's, it allowed me to function. And the older I'm getting, the, the less that that's the case and the more that uh, those moments of silence are what really feeds me and allows me to have energy. So feeling, noticing myself changing in personality and how my Bible study and worship and prayer time uh, is reflecting in that. Or maybe it's caught, you know, one's caused by the other. Which one is causing the other, I haven't gotten to yet. But it's something that, that by having that quiet time, I've been able to notice it. I have, in terms of personality examples, I've had to take various ones you know, over the course of my life. In fact, I took one fairly recently for my work, and I've had a similar, I guess, personality trajectory to you. I've historically been an extrovert, and I'm still more an extrovert than an introvert, but I've found myself, similarly to you, kind of passing peak extrovertedness. I'm becoming more, at least... You know, appreciative of quietness and rest. And there might be some circumstantial things. For example, I have seven kids that are around me. My school comes with me everywhere I go, in <laughs> a sense. And so I do treasure those quiet times. But I think what it is for me, even though I still derive satisfaction and energy and motivation from interacting with others, I recognize that that type of connectedness can I can have in the most perfect way with God, who is the mm -hmm. creator, the definer, the author, the source of it all. And so I've simply found myself, as I've gotten a little older and hopefully matured in my faith, I've wanted to simply spend more time with God, yep. reading his word, praying to him, just appreciating, you know, in, in awe and wonder, love and praise, who God is and what he has done in my life. And as I think about that, as I meditate and chew and reflect, I find myself wanting to be drawn to that more. I can still learn from others. I can still interact with others. I can still benefit from others. Others will always be able to, Lord willing, speak into my life, encourage me, iron sharpen iron, etc. But I found that there's simply no substitute for spending time with God, and I grow most rapidly into Christ-likeness simply by sitting alone in the presence of God and listening to my conscience, hearing what the Lord says to me in his word and the wisdom that he imparts to me, and just, again, analyzing who I am in light of who he is. And I see, I see that trajectory only continuing to grow. I, I'd love to 
have a life and perhaps this is just a lack of discipline on my part. I have not cultivated a specific set time like you have in that you've built into your schedule to be able to do that on a regular basis. I do have certain patterns. Um, I, for example, I pray often when I'm traveling in my vehicle, mm -hmm. for example, or I will sometimes I will have a dedicated prayer time first thing in the morning when I get enough sleep and I'm <laughs> motivated enough to do that. You know, it's my sinful self that confesses that there. But I find myself wanting to do that more, wanting to sacrifice, wanting to put off the flesh because I see more and more value in being in the presence of the Lord. There is nothing greater than that in, in being mastered and, and revealed totally by his words, stripped naked before the Lord who knows every thought and intention of my heart anyway. I, as I've grown and matured and I've I come to a sweeter and sweeter place of peace with that more than I can even with other people. Yes. <laughs> I I have uh definitely found that and it's it's mine has just been trial and error. I mean, I, it's it's something I've I've struggled over time. You know, I've I had one of the the one comp book. It took me years. Those aren't very thick, but it took me years to fill it up. And part of it was that I'll go through seasons where writing down prayers just feels off. It 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 almost uh, I I do at times the extemporaneous prayer is a lot easier for me, uh, and when I sit down with the pen in hand, it slows me down. Uh, in some ways, that's really good. In some ways, it 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 binds me up uh, from really expressing in prayer, and uh, so it's something that I've come to. Right now, that's that's where I am, and I'm sure that will change here before too long. Uh, and and I, it's interesting at times uh, noticed, and it's not all the time, but I've noticed, especially in the last few years, sometimes I will spend more time in prayer, and then as I do that, my Bible study time will increase, uh, and my prayer time will lessen, and it kind of the the two of them kind of play off each other quite regularly. Uh, and my prayer time often is, you know, I find myself repeating scripture as I pray because it's in my mind and that's what I'm thinking about. Uh, but I'm not Amen. necessarily reading it straight out of the word. And uh, but there are times when it definitely comes that way uh, where, you know, as I'm reading the word, it just it just something jumps off the page and I'm straight into a prayer time uh, or straight into Twitter time. There's you know, I had a session this week. Uh, one of the the psalms I was reading, it just the, as I read it, it was just a perfect prayer. It would be an, a great daily prayer uh, to share with people, and it was it was Psalm 86, uh, is what I was reading. So it was the the 26th. Right now I'm just adding 30 to whatever the uh, right now it's 60 instead of 30, but because uh, I'm in the third month of it, but I add add whatever number I need to to the date, and that's how I know what psalm to read, so that if I skip a day, I can still catch back in. But uh, in Psalm 86, it was, uh, and that way, well, what, what ends up happening is over five months, you read the psalms, and it gives you a sixth month. You can do, read any number of things. Uh, you can read Acts, you can read Proverbs, you can, you know, there's a lot of different places you could go with that. Um, but uh, Psalm 86 uh, in beginning in 
verse, I think I did verses 6 through 8. Nope, I didn't. I went longer than that. I want to say I went from 3 through 8. And, it, and I'm holding the NASB. That's not what I posted because that wasn't what I was reading on my uh, device that morning. Uh, but it reads, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. And, you know, as I read that that morning, it was just, okay, that's the prayer I need today. Uh, that's That that could be a daily prayer, just every morning. Uh, another one that, oh, amen. that I often uh, come to is the hymn, uh, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated. And just the 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 different pictures of take my tongue, take my hands, take my feet, take my my silver and my gold and use them and and that kind of prayer um, I find that that as I as I spend time reflecting on those kinds of thoughts I find myself being able to look at at somebody I encounter during my day which for me is often you know people under 12 years old and rather than reacting in my own self and reacting in uh, what I need to get done right that moment, it allows me to slow down and it allows me to focus on that I'm dealing with God's creation here and that changes the way I interact. And rather than necessarily uh, disciplining and then letting go, it, it reminds me that as I discipline, I need to teach. And then, you know, as, as if a student misbehaves, all right, we need to correct this behavior and then it, it, I usually try to take a moment, if I can, outside of class, either uh, you know, in the hallway or something, just a few seconds to say, hey, you remember that time? Here's what I was seeing. Do you understand how, why I reacted the way I did and saw what I did? And that helps me to teach them perspective of what somebody else sees, which is oftentimes what they're missing. Uh, but it's something that, as I reflect in the Word, it helps me remember who I am before God. Uh, and, and one of the parables that always sticks in my mind is the unmerciful servant. And that I, I, if I'm forgiven of God, how can I be unmerciful to another? And uh, mm. it's something that I've been Amen. convicted of many, 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 many times that I failed at many, many times, uh, especially in my teaching career where I failed to be uh, forgiving because I was wrapped up in what I had to do. You know, much as that that servant was, he was wrapped up in what he wanted, and he he forgot what his master was, or what what the the person above him was about. Uh, and I oftentimes forget that, um, both as an employee. Every once in a while, I forget as an employee, and I definitely forget it as a believer. Uh, to to settle in and and remember that it's not what I'm wanting. That, that we're about. And this is where, you know, those, those uh, personality type things don't always show up 
uh, I, I've learned that as the person I am, I'm built to be more of a second chair type personality. I'm not necessarily uh, the top of organizational chart leader uh, who can take on the whole organization and move it forward. I do a much better job of, of being a level or two beneath that and seeing things develop and be ready to encounter them when they do uh, become issues or, or counter them before they come issues. Uh, and I'm, I learned that through, you know, reflecting in prayer about how God has put me together, how I see things, how uh, he has helped me to understand the world. And, you know, it's, it's that prayer time and, and reflection time, man, that makes, that, that changes how you see, it changes how you see the world. God opened my eyes <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's. Something that's con that one especially open my eyes. That's a hymn, uh, open my eyes that I may see. One, it's beautiful. Two, the words of it are such a beautiful prayer. You know that I can see what you're doing, God, in the world. Open my eyes that I can see where you want me to work. Open my eyes that I may see Jesus. Um, you know those are those are things that I need to hear regularly. An area that the Lord, following in the analogy that you gave, that is. The Lord has taught me and is still growing me in is the concept of patience right now. Mm. So in a sense, I guess this has been simmering in my heart for a season. I've, I tend to go through you know, ebbs and flows of being more patient or less patient. And in this recent period of life, I've been less patient in various ways, in part because there's always more to do, in part because... I really don't know entirely what the Lord is really showing me in this other than the concept of what you're saying that is starting off with you know, flowing from his nature. Love is patient and kind. Mm. And God has been patient towards me in many ways. Uh, I'm, I can think of Second Peter 3, 9, where it says, the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promises, but is patient towards us not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And mm -hmm. I look back and I realize how much of a sinner I have been in my life. And the Lord was patient with me. I didn't come to faith until 29. And uh, I think of all the folly that I have done before then and since then. And the Lord was very, very, very patient with me. And in fact, still is. And part of what it means to grow and mature is that you recognize your sin all the more acutely in light of who God is as we get to know him better. And I realize that God's patience with me, at least my understanding of it, only continually grows. And therefore, how can I not be patient with one another? Mm. Because he is the one who's sovereign, who's put me in every situation to learn and grow and become most like Christ, no matter what it is from Having uh, a child that is struggling with learning something to to having to wait a long time at a stoplight. <laughs> God does still work things together for good in our lives. God is not slack to fulfill his promises that we should all reach repentance, not just as a salvation, but that we should also be conformed perfectly into the image of Christ. And we'll never get there in this life, but we will continually grow in Christ's likeness and just as salvation is a gift from the Lord sanctification is a gift from the Lord it's in a sense we have our own responsibilities out of the new heart and new desires that he's given us 
but it's still him working in and through us for his own good pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm responsible for my sin. I totally affirm that God is not the author of evil, but he allows that so that we can come to the end of ourselves and come to the foot of the cross and give him all the glory, praise, and honor all the more. And I'm glad that he doesn't leave out those little details. I'm glad that he reminds us of that constantly. I'm glad that we see that in Scripture all the time, how his promises, how he'll fulfill it, how he'll deliver it, how he will not let us stay in our sins, but that he will call us unto holiness. And so in a sense, I have been reflecting upon this a lot. Mm-hmm. And some of this has come as I've grown over the course of the years, as I have come to an understanding of the sovereignty of God and how God is behind everything. Everything that happens comes from the fact that God, who knows past, present, and future, has decreed or allowed it, whatever terminology you want to use, to occur. And so, therefore, it's for my good. And the scripture that you were reading earlier, Psalm 86, where it was talking about various promises, how God will be there, God will listen. That is so comforting to me just to hear that. And that's I take and I, I've learned to grow in rest in knowing these promises that God does have these promises, that uh, he wants us to come to repentance. He will grant us repentance. He will cause us to become mature in Christ. He will work all things together for good. And he will use big things all the way down to the details. And I'm kind of in a details state of my life where I'm examining myself in some ways fairly deeply, and that's good. And I don't like a lot of what I see. God already knows that, and God has already forgiven me in Christ, and God is already working things so that I can be more like him. And so these scriptures and the time in prayer that we have is simply a constant refreshing, reminding, renewing of the mind that God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. And I can look back in my life and see, okay, Lord, you have not failed me at any point thus far. And therefore, I have all the assurance, all the promises. You will continue to keep your word, and you will not let me be who I am, but you will cause me to grow into the image of Christ. And so, God, thank you for these little tests. Thank you for these momentary opportunities to recognize my impatience, my sin, my discontent, my selfishness in the moment, whatever it is, oh, Lord, because you're the one that's in this, and you're the one that is helping me to be like Christ ultimately. And so I thank you, Lord. And, you know, in, in that I hear, uh, you know, David, you hear the Psalms, David, especially, uh, those are the things he's saying so often in those prayers that the Psalm we were mentioning 86, it starts with incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me for I'm afflicted and needing. And at the end it says, because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Uh, you know, that there's that, that sense from David that uh, he knows that when he calls, that God is listening and is going to answer. Now, that's just, we know that from Scripture. We know that that's the case. As we come before God humbly, he was going to listen. Uh, and then, you you know, that you mentioned the uh, God's mercy and patience. And it's interesting how often those two things are together in Scripture, his mercy and his patience. Uh, in the Old Testament, you have this refrain over and over, but you, O Lord, are a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and in truth. 
And that's right there in Psalm 86 in verse 15. But you have that all the way from Genesis through. And it shows up constantly, uh, especially in the Old Testament, but even so uh, in the New Testament in different ways. Uh, And, you know, you think about um, uh, Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit. You know, where are we? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and then you have patience and kindness. Once again, Mm -hmm. right next to each other. Uh, And that, that idea of how patience and kindness and mercy all intertwine in grace. Uh, those things are, are so intertwined. And you think about that, that parable of the unmerciful servant, his mercy, he, he had no mercy. He was given mercy, but he had none for another. He was given patience, but he had none for another. And, uh, I've many times been, um, convicted of that, uh, it, there were several times as uh, as band director where you know the stress of the day uh, kind of took over and the stress of the season that we were in kind of took over and I lost track of uh, what really was going on and what was really the important things uh, and it, it as I'm sitting here talking to you I'm reminded of something uh, there's a band director. Uh, in central Indiana, who is about to retire, and he is a legend in the band directing world, uh, at least in Indiana. He's been around for a long time and and settled in one program and has been consistently among the best. And uh, he posted today uh, on Facebook, uh, he's been posting a series of things as he's looking back on his 40 years of teaching uh, and saying, uh, what I wish I had known 40 years ago. Uh, and he says, tonight at a rehearsal where we have a million things to accomplish and we will not get to all of them. Uh, and my director stress is already at DEFCON 4. I will remember and keep telling myself, this is just one part of their lives. They just want to be good and have fun while doing it. And, uh, oh, and I just loaded it and then unloaded it all in one swell, swoop. Uh, they want to be good and have fun while doing it. They love performing. They want to feel appreciated and safe. They want to go home proud of themselves. They want to feel like three hours with me was worth their time. And they do not share my stress, and they don't need to. He says, in 30 years, the competitive end result of this season will not be as important in their life as what they learn about life tonight. And, you know, in the teaching world, uh, those are lessons that, that you eventually learn. And it took me a little while to, to really... Uh, settle into keeping that before me. There's some things about that that I recognized when I started teaching. Uh, But until I was the one, you know, that was as I started as an assistant. And, you know, as I became the one in charge later in my career, I sometimes struggled with remembering that. And it's something that I I so wanted to remember that and set up the whole situation around that idea. But then in the heat of the moment, I sometimes forgot. Uh, and now as, as uh, serving as a deacon and, and being part of uh, the leadership team at church in different ways, and as I'm uh, kind of sourcing out the idea of, uh, of a call into ministry uh, and, and exploring that, you know, this is, there's some lessons there that apply inside the church building too, that, you know, folks are there to worship God. They're not there to uh, serve me. People are there to learn from the scriptures, 
not to get my wisdom. They're there to uh, be a part of God's work, not be a part of my work. Uh, and and to remember that Amen. you know they're all gonna we're all gonna fail inside of a church body. We're gonna be unloving to each other from time to time. We're going to be impatient with each other from time to time, and we're gonna disagree about things, and we're gonna have uh, places where where we rub up against each other. And to step back and remember, I am a sinner saved by grace. I am a sinner who's been shown mercy, and so are you. And if I don't show you mercy, I'm not reflecting the mercy that I've been granted. And and that's an uh, that's part of the learning process of faith, is to extend to others the mercy that I've been given. And it's it's it is hard when you feel like you've been wronged to take your hands off and to say, you know what, just like I was wrong in another situation, I I understand how, how that can happen. It's okay. I'm not worried about it. It's done. We move forward in grace and love. And it it's not easy. And I've had to learn it the hard way. But it's something we have to do. Amen. For some reason, it just popped in my head the scripture where it talks about how Jesus, uh, the whole faith, you know, points back to Jesus, but how he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Mm-hmm. But he gave up his rights. He gave up his divine prerogatives. He came to earth, put on our dust here of this world, and is eternally incarnated for that matter as well. And he he went even to death, death on a cross. He was the ultimate sacrifice, and so. When I have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else, that involves some level of sacrifice, a thwarting of what my intentions or plans were. Oftentimes, I look at it still from a selfish perspective, and I'm impatient and unkind and unloving. But if I look at it from the divine perspective and see, okay, sovereign God, what would you have me to do here to glorify you? What purpose is there in this situation? Putting it from that divine perspective rather than the human perspective, yes, we may be the one like Jesus Christ who has our plans thwarted, but that's okay. God is safely in control, and we are safe in his arms, and he's, again, working things together for good, and he will vindicate our confidence in him that he is doing good, something good in these situations, and so putting in that eternal divine perspective rather than a human perspective we should find fuel to to desire to bear the fruits of the spirit like that more because we saw that in jesus he did something when he didn't have to do it for people who are totally undeserving of it and much less us who have only been given anything but grace and mercy especially if we are alive and saved and know these promises how in the world can we be so ham-fisted and, and not want to share that with others? Absolutely. I think that's the epitome of what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. Not only to mm. share the word, but to actually exemplify the fruit of the Spirit in those aspects. And it, it's so easy for me to just you know, blow past that and or even get puffed up in this situation. And it, it's not about me. It's about God. It's us being the hands and feet and the fragrance of Christ to this lost and dying world and and 
all the more so we do that to those of the household of faith. Yes. But yet we still, in our sin, oftentimes make it about ourselves or deny God's role in that. And that's where he is patient and kind with us. And he will, if necessary, lovingly discipline us. And he'll put us back on the straight and narrow, grant us repentance, sometimes through some trials and tribulations. But uh, it's it's for our good. And those details, I'm learning to recognize more and more and see his providence, see his goodness in all of these situations so that I can be more like him. And a man can make his plans, but God orders the steps. And I'm mm. thankful that God does order the steps, even when we don't want it to be what it is. He is he knows exactly what position to put us in so that we will most be like in his eternal plan of providence most to be like Jesus Christ. And so I thank him that he has never left us or forsaken us. And indeed we are becoming most like Christ because of it. Mm -hmm. at, at, as you were talking there, I had a, a passage uh, pop into my mind that I think is going to be a, uh, a way that we can wrap up uh, really much of these uh, conversations that we've had today. Uh, from the Twitter conversation and how we use our time online uh, to having rest and and uh, taking time in prayer and and combining scripture reading with that and then also uh, the combination of justice and mercy and goodness and kindness uh, and all those things uh, but you know and and really thinking of our place before God uh, which really comes back to, to kind of where my prayer started was where am I in relation to all of this? Uh, and that is Micah 6, 8. Uh, and it's a, a passage that's often used for a lot of different things. But I think in this particular case, uh, the things we've talked about are, are there in, in the context of the verse. Uh, he's told you what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God, you know, be, be just toward your neighbors to love kindness and to be kind to them and to walk humbly before God, to know your place before God. And that's going to reflect back on the other two. Uh, and that's, so I think that's something that, that we can close with a, a thought, uh, and a prayer that those are, those are things that God, uh, builds up in us a sense of, how to be kind and to love to be kind and to be just and to also be merciful uh, and then to be humble before him so that he can show us really where we stand before him and, and to see his work and how we're related to it. And so with that, we're going to close this episode. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, be back next week. Uh, we've had between a little bit of sickness and just some schedule complications, we've been out for a week. So hopefully we'll be back next week. Uh, and we hope you have enjoyed. Folks, as you go through your week, uh, take some time to simmer on some thoughts. Don't let everything be the quick thinking. Uh, but to settle back, spend some time in thought and to really explore a topic through prayer and scripture uh, and some quiet time. We pray that God will bless you this week and we hope to have you hear from us again very shortly on Simmering Thoughts. Mm -hmm.